Okay, okay. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Cheryl. I am a critical care nurse of 20 plus years or more, and I'm here to talk about intubation and extubation, which is a topic that you will, or an event that you will most likely see in the critical care setting. All right. Intubation and extubation are medical procedures that help to protect and maintain the airway in patients who require it. The indications of intubation include protecting the airway in patients with facial trauma or burns, treating hypoxemia in patients with pneumonia or acute respiratory distress syndrome, and allowing the removal of secretions in patients Patients who require intubation may have symptoms such as tachypnea, dyspnea, sweating, and tachycardia. The decision to intubate depends on three basic questions. Whether there is a failure of the airway maintenance or protection, whether there is a failure of oxygenation or ventilation, and whether there is an anticipated need for intubation. Clinical assessment involves monitoring the vital signs, respiratory and mental status, and the patient's comorbidities. Nursing considerations include maintaining the airway, checking PO status, and ensuring functioning suction. The intubation process involves preparation to maximize the chances of success on the first attempt pre-oxygenation, administering medications such as etomidate and succinylcholine, and confirmation of placement after intubation, hypotension, and agitation are common complications that need to be addressed. Criteria include airway protection, reasonable vent settings, and relative hemodynamic stability. The extubation process involves suctioning, deflating the cuff, instructing the patient to cough, and removing the ET tube in one smooth motion. Complications post-extubation include strider, failure to oxygenate or ventilate, and hemodynamic compromise. It is important to note that reintubation is required in 12 to 14% of patients who undergo planned extubation within 48 to 72 hours, with risk factors including a weak cough, frequent suctioning, rapid shallow breathing, and positive fluid balance. Post-extubation management includes suctioning, bronchodilator therapy, and pulmonary toilet. Indications for intubation. Uh, protecting the airway, for example, facial trauma or burns, unconscious patient. Treat profound hypoxemia, for example, pneumonia, cardiogenic pulmonary edema, acute respiratory distress symptoms, syndrome, I'm sorry. Postoperative care, for example, after cardiothoracic surgery and other major complicated or prolonged surgery. Allow removal of secretions, for example, myasthenia gravis, Guillain-Barre syndrome. Rest exhausted patients, for example, severe asthma. 
Avoid or control hypercapnia, for example, in acute brain injury, hepatic coma, chronic obstructive airway disease. What does a patient who needs intubation look like? They're tachypnic, they have dyspnea, they have sweating, tachycardia and a bounding pulse. They may be agitated, restless, diminished consciousness, unwillingness to lay flat, use of accessory muscles, abdominal paradox when the abdomen moves inward during inspiration, respiratory alterance when the thoracic movement, then abdominal movement, and cyanosis or pallor. Three basic questions. Is there failure of the airway maintenance or protection? Gag reflex versus swallow. Swallow indicates higher brain function. Pooling secretions, intubate. Flaccid upper airway musculature, that's an intubation reason. If they can tolerate an oral airway, they need intubation. Clear, coherent speech is a good indication of a patient and protected airway and a reassuring sign the airway is not in imminent danger. So your patient has to be pretty much alert and able to control their secretions. Um, to not be intubated. Three basic questions. Here's the next one. Is there failure of the oxygenation or ventilation? Is there hypoxia? With hypoxia, they could be restless and agitated. You can have cyanosis, somnolence, obtunded, ventilation, hypercarbia, uh, respiratory acidosis leading to Lethargy, somnolence, or or being obtunded. The third question is, is there an anticipated need for intubation? That is, when is the expected clinical course? Is what is the expected clinical course? For example, if you have uh, somebody who has a burn inhalation, or um, severe sepsis with an anticipated fluid resuscitation, surgery, severe asthma attack, or anaphylaxis. Your clinical assessment. Pulse oximetry, do not wait for an ABG if emergent. Capinography, which is the recording of the um, entitled CO2. Vital signs mental and respiratory status, the patient's comorbidities and response to the acute threat, the natural history of the condition with which the patient presents. If there is any significant concern that a patient's deterioration will ultimately threaten the airway or make intubation more difficult, early intubation is indicated. Nursing considerations, airway, titrate the O2 to use a a bag mask um, if needed. Uh, Check the PO status and G to suction if applicable. 
um, functioning and vigorous suction. So all those things have to be in place before you attempt to um, intubate somebody. Um, the intubation process. An important goal of preparation is to maximize the chances for successful intubation on the first attempt. Studies suggest that a risk, the risk of an adverse event during tracheal intubation, example, aspiration, hypotension, esophageal intubation, and I've seen that before, <laughs> increases substantially with the number of attempts. As an example, one retrospective emergency department study of 1,828 intubations reported that 14% of patients intubated on the first pass experienced an adverse event compared to 47% of those intubated on the second attempt. Okay, so the anesthesia, the anesthesiologist or attending fellow is the airway manager. Um, this is the person that orders medications and performs the procedure. The respiratory therapist is responsible for um, the ventilator, checking the equipment, um, do, applying cricoid pressure, uh, and securing the ET tube. The registered nurse is responsible for the suction, the medications, and the vital signs. Now, in your um, institution, there may be some overlap to this, so please just follow your policies and procedures according to your, your center. Pre-oxygenation, you use the bag mask valve or the bag, you know, the AMBU bag. The HEPA bed needs to be 20 degrees for a healthy 70 kg person. Maintain the O2 sat over 90% for at least eight minutes. Um, in obese uh, or in healthy people, you could maintain the sat for three minutes. <clears throat> Common um, medications that you use during intubation, etomidate and succinylcholine, short for sucks, and propofol. Rapid sequence intubation, or RSI, is the virtually simultaneous administration of a sedative and a neuromuscular blocking or paralytic agent to render a patient rapidly unconscious and flaccid to facilitate emergent endotracheal intubation and to minimize the risk of aspiration. Pre-oxygenation is required to permit a longer period of apnea without clinically significant oxygen desaturation. Bag mass ventilation is avoided during the interval between drug administration and endotracheal tube placement, thereby minimizing gastric inflation, I should say, and reducing the risk of aspiration. The goal is to achieve intubation level paralysis 
and sedation 45 to 60 seconds after the drugs are given by the IV push. Confirmation is with the entitled CO2, auscultation, and a chest X-ray. Securement is with um, uh, the brand name, the commonly used brand is the Hollister or tape. Tape is less recommended, but um, you may see that. After intubation, you may see hypotension. Positive pressure impedes the venous return and side, those are side effects of um, the agent. You may have to give normal saline or some kind of fluid to help the hypotension. You may see agitation. So especially if the person um, had an altered mental status prior to, to um, the intubation, you may, they may get agitated. Um, so you want to sedate them. And then you want to assess for the effect of the sedation. Um, you maintain their airway by suctioning, oral care, um, VAP prevention, which is ventilator-associated pneumonia prevention. You want to be able to weed, um, do um, spontaneous breeding trials when appropriate. Um, and you want to also move the ET tube to prevent any pressure injuries. Um, I've seen where um, some people have had um, necrotic tongues, lips, etc. So it's very important to move the ET tube. Extubation criteria. Airway protection. The person has to be able to guard against aspiration. The level of consciousness, cough, strength, amount of secretions needs to be assessed. Reasonable vent settings. They should have a, P, a FiO2 of less than 50, a PEEP of less than 8. Um, and... Ineffective um, cough was the strongest predictor of extubation failure and requirement for reintubation within the next seven days. Additional risk factors included abundant secretions and duration of mechanical ventilation greater than seven days. The other criteria is relative hemodynamic stability. Um, persons should be on minimal vasoactives. The other criteria is weaning trials, CPAP versus pressure support, either one that's more tolerable for the patient. Evaluate respiratory effort and O2 sats and tidal volumes during the weaning trials. Uh, the patient should be in high fallers. They should have oral suctioning or ET tube suctioning and ET tube suctioning, because a lot of times they have oral secretions as well. <clears throat> Deflate the cuff and instruct the patient to cough, remove the ET tube and the OG tube in one smooth motion if they have an OG tube. And then you do oral suctioning. Complications post-extubation. Strider. 
10% or less occurrence, but com complication includes increased loss of sensation, reintubation, longer mechanical vent time. Risk factors for complications post extubation the age greater than 80 years old, a large endotracheal tube, an elevated acute physiology and chronic health evaluation, so Apache score to score, a GCS score of less than eight or traumatic intubation, female gender, history of asthma, excessive tube mobility due to insufficient fixation, insufficient or lack of sedation, aspiration, the presence of an orogastric or nasogastric tube. Determined by cuff leak, normal airflow around the deflated cuff. If no normal flow, it could be due to edema, secretions, large ET tube, and a small larynx. Treatment is um, normally uh, nebulized racemic epinephrine, heliox, steroids, or critical airway placement. Failure to oxygenate and ventilate causes hypercarbia and hypoxemia. Hemodynamic compromise, you want to be supportive with your inotropes and vasoactives. And you may have to reintubate the person. It's estimated that 14% of patients who undergo planned extubation require reintubation within 48 to 72 hours, most within the first 48 hours, I mean, first 24 hours. Risk factors for reintubation again, weak cough, rapid shallow bleeding, respiratory rate 58. Um, some centers have a different um, threshold. Like, uh, Usually where I work, where my experience has been um, a respiratory rate 35 to 40. Um, a positive fluid balance during the 24 hours preceding extubation. And pneumonia was the reason for the initial intubation. Patients who are over 65 years old with severe chronic cardiac and respiratory disease appear to be at particularly high risk for extubation failure. Post-extubation management, you want to suction, um, involves suctioning, bronchodilator therapy, diuresis, or non-invasive ventilation, such as the BiPAP um, or high-flow nasal cannula oxygen, um, pulmonary toilet, incentive spirometer, sternal precautions, coughing, and deep breathing. Um, I have a list of references here for your available for you. And that's the end of my presentation. It was short and sweet. You can remain connected with me at CherylPalmer.com. My IG is the Cheryl Palmer. That should be C-H-E-R-Y-L Palmer. Uh, CVIC and Notes podcast, anywhere you um, find or stream your podcasts. And then YouTube at CBICU Notes Podcast.
See you next time.